You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, and joining me is William Gallagher. Hello. William Gallagher, who is, in fact, this second, you don't know this because it's happened, this second, perplexed for the first time ever, my Apple Watch has crashed. I was just checking to see why it had tapped you on the wrist when you said that, and it's locked up with a clear all message. Okay. And you you can't tap it or anything? No, it responds to a tap, but then just doesn't do anything. Yeah, so you can see it move the icon, and then it just goes, yeah, I don't care. So I might restart it while you tell me things. I trusted my Apple Watch. And lots of people do trust their Apple Watch, so much so that I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about a story about Apple Watch. Oh, yes. Now, Apple Watch Connected is this new program. And gyms and fitness facilities and and so forth can partner with Apple to use the Apple Watch in tracking workouts, earning rewards, and buying products or services. So there's there's Basecamp, YMCA, Orange Theory, and Crunch Fitness. And they've partnered with Apple to launch this new Apple Watch Connected program. So members of those firms can book classes, buy products, and earn workout rewards using the Apple Watch. I'm actually interested in this, even though... Face it, I'm never going to fool anybody. I'm not a gym kind of guy because I know Apple had this thing of creating something in uh, gym kit, isn't it? Yeah. That your watch could pair to the machine in front of you and swap data. But this is something else completely. It's uh, while you're there, you can book classes through your watch and well, also earn rewards from them, which is. I mean, it's I it's think. some of that, right? I mean, you can earn rewards for performing fitness, and and that you can certainly purchase services and classes and things through the watch but the um and but they also have to apple accept apple pay so if you wanted to simply pay through the watch you can this is interesting you know there's a there's a crunch fitness nearby me i wonder if they're taking part in it it looks like they're launching it in new york in two gyms this week so we'll see if it drifts down closer to me and i'll be able to review it a little bit the program is voluntary for you well so, so here's here's the thing right you said you're not a gym person yeah, and not so and much. I admit, neither am I really. I I do try and do some things for fitness, but I tend to do them in my own home because there's this whole anxiety or or fear about being the not gym person who shows up at the gym when everyone else clearly is the gym person. Right. But I've okay. yeah. but I've come to realize a few things, and one of them is that if you're in the gym, you 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 shouldn't be there to look at other people and and furthermore other people should not be there to look at you and if you're not a gym person they're probably not looking at you so that that add that with the other thing is you know no one starts out as a gym person right i am naturally athletic I right right but happens, i mean you know yeah no. no one was was born with rippling muscles and and low body mass index and and low fat percentage and all this stuff right that's that's a byproduct of good diet and work and so showing up there looking like you have yet to do that work is probably okay i mean it's kind of the point I'm just torn over this fact that uh, uh, gyms who take part in this must offer a reward system such that in whatever way they do it, uh, you will get some uh, financial reward for it. You get a credit off your next gym bill if you 
perform certain things if you exceed certain uh, things. And I'm just wondering if, in my case, I would end up owing them extra every month. Well, now we've talked about that before with the health insurance companies, right? There have been these health insurance plans where you can get an Apple Watch, and if you perform enough fitness oh, yeah. per month, the watch is is yours for free. But if you decline to perform the fitness, if you just wear the thing, hmm. then they bill you for it. That's an excellent idea, isn't it? I mean, that's motivation and a half, and I think I like that. <laughs> so, yay them. Although, of course, all of this was announced after I bought my Apple Watch, which, by the way, has now restarted and is working happily again. Oh, good. I knew you were worrying. I yeah. was. Hmm. Right. So this is currently going in New York. Uh, YMCA is doing it in the Twin Cities, and they plan to add 22 sites in the next few weeks. Basecamp is going to launch it across the entire U.S. over the next year. Orange Theory has similar plans that are starting with two Manhattan sites. This is is uh, something to watch. And I, I say that without the pun intended, but there it was. The you know, a- Apple's focus has been to strongly push personal fitness. And the gyms have have been trying to figure out how to keep people coming into gyms. You know, if the reward system is that they give people credits that reduce the gym fees, yeah, that's an enticement to keep coming. Yeah, it's all good for everybody. Although there is, isn't there, this thing that uh, a lot of gym profits come from the fact that people sign up with good intentions, particularly at the start of the year, and then never come and actually use the equipment, but they're still paying for it. Yeah. That is a substantial income for things, and this could reduce that. Yes, it could, but but what are their costs? I mean, their costs are are fairly fixed as gyms. We're going down a rabbit hole here, but you know the the wear and tear on the equipment doesn't happen if no one's using it. So, really, it's it's a very very profitable kind of thing, provided you have membership drives. Anyway, but the, the yes. interesting part here to us, because hey, Apple Insider Podcast, is the notion that Apple is supporting this and has these partners lined up, and it works with the watch that many people have. Yes. So that's so interesting. I'm part way to being fit. I've got the watch. So, you know. <laughs> Job done. Exactly. You bought the watch and you're in perfect health. <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> I, I want I, I, I thank you for sharing your secrets to good physical fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I have a book coming out. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you share with me a little bit about Masterclass? Masterclass. I love Masterclass. Uh, I'm currently in the middle of Aaron Sorkin's, um, is it three or four hours of writing advice? Uh, I went, I zoomed through uh, Jodie Foster's uh, ones about directing. I am a little interested in film directing, but it's just she's so interesting. Uh, I just couldn't get enough of it. Just so, so clever and interesting, utterly absorbing. I was actually sorry when her three hours were completed. And I've been pottering around some various other so you didn't want me to just babble at it. You want me to explain what it well, was. Well, no, no, no. That's fine. So, Masterclass is a online learning platform where you get to learn from the best of the best, from people who are top in their field. And I, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I when I say that. Yeah. Uh, you you named you know Aaron Sorkin and Jodie Foster, and and of course there are tons of other people like Will Wright or uh, Annie Lee Woods. Uh, there, there's a lot, Neil Gaiman, there's a lot to learn from here. So can you call out something specific that you learned in, in one of these recent ones? What was the standout detail? Oh, okay. Um, 
Jodie Futcher actually convinced me that I will direct a short film this year. Does that count? Yes. Okay, there you go. And from Aaron Sulkin, I was utterly delighted at this. Uh, he makes... Uh, there's a thing I believe as a writer when you're doing scripts in particular that doing gigantic backstories for your characters of when they were five years old they ate peas or something I don't know that it doesn't help you in any way uh, and he offers the idea that no it doesn't yeah he, he's really I love how Aaron Sorkin is so um upfront about how what's right for him may not be right for you he calls himself a schmuck every now and again and talks about his peculiar delays on stuff it's very self-aware self-mocking and so useful but then when aaron sorkin says something that i agree with i feel fantastic so nice well that's very positive would you recommend that people check it out oh deeply Yes. I mean, I'm finding it very hard uh, to just stick with one person at a time. I mean, you can go all over the place. There are, what, 70-odd things here. But I'm trying to actually use it as a proper studying thing. So I began with Jodie Foster's introduction, and I didn't watch anybody else until I got to the end. And now I'm kind of doing that with Aaron Sorkin, but I did cheat a little bit and started watching Sondra Rhymes' as well. and stuff. Yes, absolutely. It's just a goldmine of amazing people telling you telling you great things and in such detail i mean it's very simple um uh, but it really you come away think you feel like you know these people at the end and that you have re they have genuinely communicated something uh mostly useful but other times i mean plenty of stuff jody foster talked about with uh much bigger budget films than i'll ever do it, it didn't teach me anything but it was deeply interesting so yeah i just had a good time with that one yeah yeah. Sign up. Watch. Great. I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as an Apple Insider podcast listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off masterclass. Saudi royalty seems to be implicated in a hack of Jeff Bezos of Amazon's iPhone. This, this actually happened back in 2018, it appears, but we're only finding out about it now. And, and what happened is that a, uh, allegedly a, a malformed video was sent from the WhatsApp account of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to Jeff Bezos. And so this, just the sending of this video uh, caused the, the iPhone to leak data. Now, okay. this this forensic experts are still trying to examine this and understand exactly what happened and what's going on with the the leaking of the data, how the exploit was was committed, how it was found, so forth. Um, but this is this is interesting, and it tells you that. You know, you, you should be judicious and careful in determining what services you use. You know, WhatsApp is, of course, owned by Facebook. And while there is some encryption there, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about encryption in just a moment. And what the differences are between just an encrypted message and an encrypted message that's encrypted end-to-end. -end. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that into a moment. So what, the other thing that's happened since this report has come out is uh, the United Nations has urged that the U.S. and other governments need to investigate this hack. 
I'm just struggling with the idea that a video in one app uh, can do things to other apps. And what about iOS's sandboxing? Well, so the thing about it is that if you have WhatsApp, WhatsApp asks for a few different permissions, right? It asks for microphone, it asks for photos, and camera access. And so, and it also asks for your address book. Okay, so uh, if you choose to give it all of these things, uh, it can take all of your photos, it can take all of your addresses and do with it. We don't know what. Well, okay, I mean, those those are make. the obvious things, right? It's possible that there's another vulnerability that, that we're not paying attention to or we haven't seen yet. But those are the clear things that it already has permission to get. It also, of course, has access to all of your WhatsApp backups because, well, WhatsApp uses those backups to, to restore from and to store messages and things like that. Right, that seems fair. Right. Uh, so so it's got a lot of conversation data if you use WhatsApp. Yes. Within hours okay. of seeing the video, Bezos' iPhone sent a large amount of data, right, raising from his daily average of, of about 430 kilobytes to 126 meg, which is, is a staggering... But why growth. hours? Why not instantaneously? And does he not use his iPhone very much? Uh, undetermined. Mm-hmm. But the data spike continued for months, mm. indicating that uh, gigabytes of data was accessed. Do we know how it was stopped or when it was stopped even? Probably not. Uh, not entirely certain when it was stopped. Um FTI have been been analyzing this, and they used a Celebrite device to acquire forensic images over a two-day period. And uh, so this is sort of a developing story, mm. but it's uh, it's it's very interesting. There's going to be some some interesting information to come out of this, especially once a good examination has been done of the video file, so we can understand what the vulnerability actually was, what the exploit was. I mean, this is hardly the same thing as hacking, but I, I did find it very irritating that uh, WhatsApp, I think by default, was saving any images anybody sent me into my uh, uh, camera roll. Yeah, it does yeah, So I'll get some theatre stuff. Yeah, that's very nice. Thank you. You look great. I don't want to keep it. And yet it was clogging up everything. There is an option to switch it off because I found that and I switched it off. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can switch that off. And and. It's probably a good idea too if you have a lot of if you have groups that send quite a lot of photos. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's it's one of those things that you have to to consider is what's your level of use with with this kind of application, and what's your level of trust with it. Now we talked a minute, but I said I was going to talk a little bit about encryption. So here's the thing: we we talked last week about the U.S. government and their interest in uh, having a backdoor into iPhone encryption. Yeah. And some people were upset about that. There was a, an iTunes li- a listener who gave us an iTunes review of two stars because they think we just don't like the U.S. government. That's not true. And that's definitely not what's important here. What's important here is talking about whether it's right for governments to have this level of access to our personal information and personal devices and how that should be managed and who gets to say and who gets to control information. You know, there's there's a lot of questions about that. And if you look at the U.S. Constitution, uh, bear with me for just one second, a large number of the, the 
Bill of Rights and, and the, the U.S. Constitution is formed about protecting the individual and state interests against the federal government. You know, Congress shall make no law. Congress shall have no right. It's, it's all about protecting the individual. And so that's, it's, it's a valid thing to go ahead and say, what is the interest here? And what are the competing interests here? And how should we address it? And personally, yes, I stand strongly on the side of encryption is a good that, that protects the large number of iPhone users and, and can only be helpful. That the, the idea of cracking it or breaking it is going to make things worse appreciably for the vast majority of people. That's my position. I've said it. But that's not anything about this particular government. We don't have a, a constitution, a written constitution at all, really, in the UK, but I have similar concerns here, and we do for any government anywhere in the world. And, and once one can get a backdoor into this, everybody can. So it, it's a worldwide issue, not a, a, only a US one, in my opinion. Absolutely. It just happens to be taking place in the US at this time, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, at least because Apple is there. Uh, this thought is Samsung under similar. No, it wouldn't be Samsung. Would it? Is Google under similar pressure to crack open Android? I imagine it must be. Well, but Google does things a little bit differently, and I've been looking at this a little bit, and I don't have firm answers yet. But Google does do encryption, and Google also has um, for Google devices encrypted backups. The so we should talk a little bit about this because I I had an email from one of our listeners that I'm opening up right now, going into the mailbox. Um, I'm going to read, I'm just going to quote the email. Hi, Victor. I came across a worrisome article that states that Apple's abandoned the development of end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups. Now, Reuters was publishing this over the weekend, I think. And I have a few questions which I was hoping you'd have answers. Can Apple access iMessage data that's been backed up to iCloud? And if so, can they give that data to law enforcement entities around the world? If the answer to that first question is yes, can Black Hat hackers access iCloud data by retrieving the encryption keys to which Apple has access? With respect to security and privacy, are we better off just backing up our data to the Mac manually? Hope all is well and look forward to hearing from you. Well, from the most paranoid point of view. Yes. The right way to think of the cloud is it's a computer you don't own. Yep. Is, and that you're is, paying for, is, yes. Is backing up your very sensitive data to a computer that you do not own the best thought out plan? <laughs> Okay. Now, mitigating that a little bit is that there are encryption keys involved, right? And so what happens with iCloud data is that it is encrypted, but Apple also has a key. And so your device is encrypted and you have the keys. Apple does not. But for the, the, the information that you've stored in their cloud, they keep a key. And they say that they keep the key so that if you lost your password, that they would be able to unlock it for you. And this is obviously something that's come up as a customer support problem a number of times, right? People lose passwords. People lose access mm -hmm. to stuff. It happens. And so people have asked Apple to be able to unlock it. Now, in years past, there were things where Apple would say, if you lose this, we can't unlock it. You lose all your data. And people are obviously not happy about hearing that, especially when they've lost all their data. So it, it, it's a difficult situation, and Apple's trying to balance 
the needs of the end user and what's going to make for a good user experience and security. If you're backing up iMessage data, iCloud, I suspect strongly, yes, they can go ahead and have that access to that and can share it. It doesn't seem very many weeks ago that you were entirely happy about everything and now cynical, bruised, a little bit worried, a little bit sage, a little bit older, a little bit wiser. I'm, I'm just happy you're here to share this with me. Right. It, it, okay. in, in, in times where people are concerned about what is the security of their data, it's definitely, I'm, I'm glad I'm in good company. So the, I, I think the thing that some people are concerned about is whether or not Apple has developed, has abandoned the idea of end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups. So end-to-end encryption is not something we currently have with iCloud backups. Currently we have encryption, but Apple has a key. End-to-end encryption says that basically only you can have the key and only you can access it. Yes. That that there is no way for a middleman to get in the middle and, and decrypt. Yes. And we we don't know if Apple's abandoned those plans. The the current coverage suggests that they have, but it's undetermined if they have, and it's also undetermined if they have as a result of the 2016 push for uh, iCloud data and unlocking phones. Hmm. That's decided it. Forget it. I'm moving to Android. There you go. Well, All you sorted. could do that. Um, yep. No, you're you going to try. You attempting to talk me out of this? No, I'm not going to attempt to talk you out of that. But I think I will answer our listener's question, which is, with respect to security and privacy, are we better off just backing up our data to the Mac manually? Um, if you have strong security and privacy concerns, yes. But you have to balance those concerns a little bit because one of the things about iCloud is is the ability to restore back from a from a backup the um, the ability to do it without necessarily having access to that Mac. Um, there's a lot of convenience there, and and Apple has spent years baking that convenience in. And so you 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 need to think carefully what you're focused on. Are you focused strongly on security and privacy, or are you focused on ease or some compromise between the two? And that's the very same question that Apple is having to balance in terms of what their plans are for end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups. And, and you know what I'd like at this very moment, what would be really helpful in, in trying to understand these issues would be a letter from Tim Cook. You know, he an article that they could post entitled something like Thoughts on Encryption would be really revealing. Okay. Is that a deliberate call back to the thoughts on Flash? Absolutely. In this week in which Flash looks like it's dead. I, I want to sing. I want to say Flash uh, uh, is going away. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a thought. Has Apple done anything yet with privacyisimportant.com? It, it must be getting on for a year since that was launched. Or was it May something? Nope, there's absolutely nothing there still. The, the problem uh, that Apple has is that they champion this a lot, right? They champion, yes. they, they, they put up billboards, they covered hotels with what stays on your, what, what is on your iPhone stays on your iPhone, something like that, right? That was the Las yeah. Vegas uh, billboard they put up over the hotel down there. And 
they've championed privacy. And so the notion that iCloud backups aren't end-to-end encrypted, that, that Apple has a key that can unlock them, even though encryption is good and they are encrypting them, some people may see that as a betrayal. Mm. I see that. I don't know what I think about it yet, but I see that point. Yes. It, it's, I mean, well, so the problem is that like, people aren't necessarily concerned about the finer points, and this is a nuanced problem. Yeah. You know, when, when Apple tells you that the iPhone is safe and secure and that your data is secure, and then it turns out that, that they have a key, that can feel like a betrayal, even if it not necessarily is. Hmm. Apple's actually pretty good at conveying uh, nuanced things. The whole thing we've said before about the San Bernardino shooting in such a uh, heated moment, they were still able to convey uh, so well the larger picture that people tended to be on their side in uh, Apple versus the FBI, which is you know, actually, I mean, just as communications is a remarkable piece of work. Yeah. Now, President Trump has repeated his previous demand that Apple help investigators unlock iPhones tied to criminal cases. He told CNBC at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Apple has to help us, and I'm very strong on it. They have the keys to so many criminals and criminal minds, and we can do things. I've given them waivers because it's a great company, but it made a big difference. Uh, so he is still asking for, uh, or still joining Department of Justice and, and Attorney General Barr in asking Apple to unlock these iPhones. And, and of course, tech companies and privacy advocates insist that adding a backdoor encryption fundamentally weakens it. Which Removes is, it, really, I, I think, yes. I, I would agree with you. That's the correct way of thinking of it. So, so what does Apple give up when issued a subpoena? What, what is it that they do provide? Well, actually, I, I was looking into this for Apple Insider, and I am astonished how much Apple will give up uh, under the right circumstances. I mean, let's just preface all of this with, with the correct warrants, the right subpoenas, uh, a legitimate uh, law in th uh, enforcement agency asking, call all of these things. Uh, it has a, an amazing amount that it can give up to do with um, uh, all of your transaction history, for example, everything you've ever bought mm -hmm. on iTunes. Uh, I didn't quite follow this bit actually. Apple says that it will it won't give the contents of email messages, but it will give you dates, times, uh, and recipients both ways for it. But it only keeps that data for about thirty days. Now we obviously have emails going back a lot longer. Um, I don't I'm not clear where where Apple keeps them for thirty days, but yeah, it can give you a conversation history if it can't give you the conversation, and it has apparently done that for things. Um, there's also a lot of stuff about going into the retail stores. It can do that there. Uh, and uh, what else was that, that was really surprising to me? Um, now, I remember thinking, uh, I get mixed up between, I know silly, but I get mixed up between messages and text messages. Right, so, so text messages or SMS are traditionally not encrypted by anything. Right, they they interoperate between different carriers. They don't go through Apple's servers. They they go directly to your carrier's server, yeah, and transfer out that way. And so they historically are not encrypted. Oh, actually, sorry, that has reminded us another thing. Apple uh, under circumstances, all that stuff uh, can give call records out in the same way it does email. But that that one troubled me because your carrier's got all that detail as well. Yeah, and nobody seems to be saying that the carriers uh, are resisting giving this stuff up. But because the carriers hand that over regularly whenever asked. 
Uh, fair enough. Well, at least they're consistent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, mail email is encrypted in transit, but not at rest. And that's pretty normal for email. That's pretty common unless you use a service or, or set up things to encrypt your email in at rest as well. Okay. So that's that's fairly common. That's pretty uh, pretty normal. The when when you store iMessages in iCloud, then Apple can give up that data that's in iCloud. Um, so the encryption key for iMessages will be stored as part of the iCloud backup. If you enable the messages in iCloud option, the messages themselves are not included in iCloud backups. The encryption key, however, is included and it's still accessible. Uh, if you've done um, messages in the cloud, then the whole container is backed up to iCloud so that users can recover their messages, which is part of that point. If you turn off that part of the iCloud backup, then the you know, new encryption keys gets generated and it protects future messages on your device and it isn't stored by Apple. So there we go back to the thing that I just said, right? If you choose to store things not in the cloud, then they become more secure. Yeah, in the sense of um, bad people trying to get at them, but you also limit your access to things, um, being able to recover from wherever you are. Is that is a, correct. Oh, you said this, the convenient, that which is amazingly useful. Uh, you are surrendering that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hmm. you, you have to make choices. Hmm. When did we have to start making choices? Oh, I don't know. From the second we came upon this earth, we started to make choices. Okay, this is getting deep now. It was okay. awfully broad there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, a tiny bit. Uh, yeah. I'm just thinking about tea, but that that's my default ah, position but, anyway. But yeah. then you have to choose which tea, and then... Uh, Actually, not so choices. much, no. Well, no. Yorkshire no. tea. I know, Builders you endorse Brew. Yorkshire We're tea. We're fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's easy, really. Okay. It is. Well, I like peachy tips as well, but let's, you're right, let's not go down. Ooh, I like that as well. Bad. Yeah, you see? Yeah, yeah. I think you can get peachy tips more easily in the States than you can. So we can. Yes. I want to tell you about something that, that can actually make your life a little more safer, a little simpler, and a little more secure. We, we, we work towards a future where you are your ID, right? You, you mm -hmm. use face ID, you use touch ID. And there's a service that can enable you to use these kinds of, of identifiers to make your life easier at stadiums, other venues, and actually go through security faster at airports. Okay, that sounds rather good. Yeah. So, I, when I go through airports, I, I frequently do TSE PreCheck or Global Entry, which operates about the same way, because I like to go through without stress. I like to make sure that I'm going to go through quickly, easily, and and make sure that I don't miss my plane, that I have plenty of time at the gate or, or in the club, the lounge, and, and that life goes more smoothly. And clear, okay. go on, yeah. ask me. Just, uh, I know we have similar things here, but I don't know what they are and how, what the equivalent is. So uh, this TSA thing is, how does that work? How, you mentioned something called clear there, but before you get clear. Okay, so the, the, the US government has two services. One is called TSA Pre, uh, PreCheck, and the other is Global Entry. And Global Entry encompasses PreCheck, but adds on some, some international flavor parts to it. 
and you pay and you have to do an interview and be approved. And and once they decide that you're a trusted traveler, then they issue you this number and it allows you to go through the security checkpoints at airports much more quickly. Okay, right. Yes. Tends to be shorter lines, tends to not require you to take off your belt or your shoes or uh, in some cases not have to remove your laptop from your bag, um, things like that. So reduced hassle, less stress. Now, Clear gives you peace of mind because Clear helps you zip through airport security even faster so you can relax before your flight. Um, they use the tap of the finger or, or um, yeah, so they, they use your eyes and fingertips to confirm that you are you and help you get through security faster. So you are your best ID. And you unroll quickly and easily. It takes about five minutes. There's no appointment. Um, and, and you can use clear right then and there. So you can get through airport security faster in about 65 airports, sports venues, and other locations across the country. And we were talking about this before when we were talking about the, before we started recording, you know, mm-hmm. things like Las Vegas, um, LAX, JFK, LaGuardia, uh, Denver, um, AT&T Field in San Francisco, Coors Field in Denver. There, there's a bunch of different places that this can be used, Hartsfield in Atlanta. Uh, and what they're doing is, is, is they're not separate from TSA. They're, they're not instead of TSA PreCheck. They are, they're, they're sort of, they're partners with Clear. And so it's not instead of, it's in addition to, and just helps you go through without any stress. Um, Clear members can add up to three adult family members for the discounted rate of only $50 each per year. Kids under 18 can tag along for free when traveling with a Clear member. So it is it is really awesome. I actually find time runs at a different rate when I'm in an airport. I tend not to be too concerned about how things are taking, I don't know why, but I do get very stressed about missing a flight because I did once uh, a press trip from uh, Heathrow oh, yeah. to Dublin. Uh, I, I missed well, it. I at least with Heathrow to Dublin, there's enough flights during the day that it's not like you've missed the one. True, and also this was uh, it was so long ago and such an innocent world. Uh, he said, "Oh, go on then, you can get on this flight instead." <laughs> nice. Was, yeah, I don't. It was actually a very complicated press trip to two different airports. I missed most of the trip, but I ended up in Dublin Airport, uh, whatever that's called. I've forgotten now. Um, uh, when the rest of my party arrived and their faces when they walked through the gate, and I was already there for them, that was almost worth the uh, embarrassment. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, so Clear is the absolute best way to get through airport security. It works great with PreCheck, too. And right now, listeners of our show can get their first two months of Clear for free. Go to clearme.com slash Apple Insider and use the code Apple Insider. That's clearme, C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash Apple Insider with the code Apple Insider for your free two months of Clear. Yeah, I can just imagine people's faces when, when you are already there. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the nice PR company that was paying for my flights was was less pleased, as you can well understand. Uh-huh. So I'm as well as my own stress at missing. I am mortified at having. This is twenty years ago, and I'm still mortified <laughs> for them. Uh, I so something that would ensure that, that feeling. No, that I understand that feeling so well. <laughs> okay. Thanks for bringing it back, though. You know, yeah, it's, it's absolutely from my mind. And again, it will be all right. 
Yeah, listen, I just need to phone a PR company again and uh, <laughs> apologize. None of the employees for that PR company are still there. They're all moved on to other PR companies, so you don't really have to worry too badly. Right. The way I took that is I have no hope. I will carry this uh, guilt forever. They can't absolve me of it at this distance. Okay. I could phone them up and they'll just say, yeah, not on line one. Absolve him. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, you like iPhones, don't you? I have been known to. Yes. Yeah. From time to time. What if there were more of them in the world? Uh, I suppose I only really need... Well, I was going to say I only need one, but I actually <laughs> use three on different projects. Yes. Yes. Well, so Wistron is one of Apple's assembly partners, and they are increasing their production capacity in India, ramping up productivity for their third plant in the country. Wow, okay. India's a really interesting... I mean, India's an interesting country regardless, but with what's going on with Apple, it's particularly interesting there. I think that's, that's good to see. Yeah. Well done, everybody and there. The, the two existing plants have used for production of iPhone SE and iPhone 6S, intended for sale on the local market. The new facility is going to join the other two in making iPhones according to industry observers. Now, Foxconn also has plants in India, and they were making the iPhone XR or XR, in October with a view to making the iPhone 11 down the line. India is a really important market. Yeah. Well, the size of it and anything else, yes. Size of it, and and uh, there's a lot of production there. Th- four plants, can you imagine? I actually don't know how many plants there are in other countries, but it seems like a big concentration uh, of it. So that's cool. Okay. It does. You mentioned the iPhone SE there. I wonder if this is where the alleged iPhone SE 2 or iPhone 9 or whichever way Apple is going to count this thing uh, is going to start out there too. No idea. No idea. you know, I, I what I would tell you is that they would use trusted partners that have already been making phones for years. So you might expect it to go to a Foxconn, or I guess it could go to Wistron, but probably one of those two. Or maybe they'd divide production between the two. That uh, you'd expect it. I would think it would come out of China first, but I might be mistaken. That makes sense. I just, I'm, I'm thinking about it because a, a friend is so certain it's coming, he's actually putting off. Um, it's weird, he's putting off uh, buying a MacBook. Um, because he's waiting for, for the iPhone SE. Yeah, it's complicated to do with what reminders works on and iOS levels and things. And it all makes sense when you dig into it. But he's absolutely certain that it's coming. And and I, he knows the same things I do. I just I'm a little warier. I'm I'm envisioning uh, this friend having a, a a wall board with bits of red string linking different articles to different articles <laughs> to try <laughs> to try and suss out exactly how he's holding off on a MacBook purchase because he's worried well, he's about an actually, iPhone. That's... Or was it an iMac? I'm mixed up now. But uh, <laughs> he is a writer with a corkboard, so uh, if I send him some red string, we could be in business. Yes. I think we have to. Okay. So I need to find a PR company to apologize. Go on For 20 years ago. Red string. And red string. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. You're right. That could take a little while to explain, couldn't it? Okay. <laughs> well, that's the rest of my day. Yeah. There we go. And on that note, this is the Apple Insider Podcast. William, where can people find you on the internet? Um, well, I'll be on the phone, but uh, right beside me, I will be on uh, W Gallagher on Twitter and uh, William at AppleInsider.com. Um, what will you be doing and where can people find you? I'm V Marks on Twitter, Victor at AppleInsider.com. Please feel free to send us your compliments, your complaints. We'll hear them all. We might even respond to them. And we're so glad you joined us this week. We hope to hear you back next week. <laughs>